I heard the absolute saddest thing about the Israel-Gaza conflict. We're going to talk about that. And do we need to rename anything that's over 20 years old? I'm going to tell you why I think that. And what does the word neighbor really, truly mean? All of it. Uncensored. Unfiltered. Unhinged. It's the Corelcast. Listen daily on your favorite streaming service. It is the Corel Cast. I am Corel. So very glad you are joining me on this Wednesday, the last Wednesday of November. Like to wish my late mother Rose a happy birthday yesterday. November 28th was her birthday. She would have been 91. Not that old, really. Not in today's standards. I do wish she were here with me. I miss my mom quite a bit. Uh, all right. So there's a lot I want to talk about today. And it starts with one of the saddest things I've heard in the news. I heard it on Scripps News Channel. Uh, which is what I watch a lot of. That It's an app. It's called the Script News Channel. Also, France 24 and uh, NHK World, I watch those. But this was really sad, what I heard. Um, they were interviewing a member of the IDF, a high-ranking Israeli official. Now, the ceasefire has gone okay. Uh, hostages have been being released. Uh, families on both sides, the Israeli and Palestinian sides, are being reunited with loved ones. Some of the people that Israel are releasing are kids who just threw rocks, literally threw rocks during a protest or something, and Israel arrested them. Some have been charged with bigger crimes, but some are just guilty of throwing rocks or breaking windows, vandalism uh, during a riot or an uprising, something like that. Uh, and so there's, they're very happy on both sides. And they were interviewing someone uh, from Israel in the government, from the IDF, and, and they said, look, the ceasefire is, seems to be going you know, somewhat okay, uh, it's nice to not have you all bombing the crap out of each other. Do you, you know, are you going to resume fighting? Can we, can we see this as part of the beginning of the end uh, to where, you know, the hostage exchange happens, you pound out a piece and you both stop lobbing missiles. Uh, and the person from Israel said, and this is, you know, and again, I'm not saying this to be anti-Semitic or anything. It was just the saddest thing I've ever heard. And he said, no, we have to regain fighting. We, we have to, uh, you know, continue fighting. And I thought, no, you don't have to resume fighting. And that, cause that's what he said. No. And his words were exact on Scripps news. We have to resume fighting. And when I heard that, I just thought, no, you don't. It is neither side is lobbing missiles right now, you know, en masse. It is a conscious decision to go back to war. You know, that is a conscious decision that will be made by both parties, Hamas and by Israel. But to hear a member of the Israeli government, which Israel has already pummeled, you know, Gaza back, well, it was already in the Stone Ages, but back before that, you know, they have. There is just rubble everywhere in Gaza and the West Bank and just everywhere. And so they've won. And now they're getting their hostages back. And if they get them all back, why would they have to resume fighting? Oh, because we haven't wiped out Hamas. Well, you're not going to newsflash Israel. You're not going to. We didn't wipe out Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda. It still exists. There are still factions. They call it ISIS now. It did a name change, a rebrand. 
But you didn't wipe it out. We, the greatest fighting force in the world, we didn't wipe out Al-Qaeda or ISIS. It still exists. The Taliban still exists. And Hamas, when all is said and done, is still going to exist because Hamas is more than politics. It's an ideology. It's the same as Al-Qaeda or ISIS. It, that is an ideology. That is a hate the West form of thinking that is never going to go away. There will always be people that hate America for what it does. And there will be some Palestinians that will always hate Israel because it exists. That I mean, that's just, you're never going to wipe out every Palestinian that doesn't believe Israel should exist. That's not going to happen. And you're not going to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. I wish you could. I wish we could cleanse the earth of Hamas and ISIS, Al-Qaeda, MAGA, I, evangelicals, any terrorist organization that instills fear and rules through a warped sense of theocracy. I wish we could just wipe them off the planet. And not the people, because the people are interchangeable, but the ideology. I don't want to kill people in MAGA. I don't want to kill evangelicals. I don't want to kill people in Hamas. I want to kill the reason it exists. I want to kill the ideology that makes it happen. You know, whether it's a generation of people just have to die or whatever it is, I'd like for it to be gone. You know, as Palestinians age and then the younger ones take over, most of the younger ones are not kill Israel, kill Israel, kill Israel. They're like, let's get along with Israel. Some younger ones are, but not all, not most. Most young Palestinians would grow up with Israel as a neighbor and not as an adversary if we let them. But you can't let them by saying, no, we have to resume the war. No, no one ever has to be at war, ever. You could choose to lose, by the way. If you're attacked, you don't have to fight back. You could choose to just say, no, I'm not going to kill people. I'll, I'll just lose my land or I'll, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying Israel should do that. What I am saying is it was an obvious choice for war and it made me sad. It made me sad. Because the, the ceasefire has been great. The hostage exchange has been great. And I'm sure for the people of the region, they have been breathing a sigh of relief the last four days. But now, fighting will resume. People will go back to being at war. Why? Because we must, according to the representative, we must resume fighting. You must? Well, because Hamas has not been wiped out. It's not going to be. It's, that's like saying, you know, I've said this all along. A war on terror is like a war on hatred. You can't kill hatred with war. And you can never stomp out all hatred. Haters going to hate. And so this notion that you go to war with an ideology and think you can win is ridiculous. Hamas is a way of thinking. It's a radicalized way of governing. 
It is not one centralized person or 10 centralized people. It's a way of life. And you can never stomp that out. And the more you try, the more you actually tend to recruit for the cause. We, in attacking Iraq, recruited more people into al-Qaeda and ISIS than they ever would have had we not attacked Iraq. We made the Taliban stronger than they ever would have been had we not invaded Afghanistan. We made mistakes, and it didn't work. We didn't wipe out terror. We're still being strip-searched at airports. You still got to take off your shoes. All of these things, all these, you know, post-9-11 things are still, they didn't go back to normal. Everyone's like, oh, I want life to go back to like it was before COVID. Well, I'd like life to go back before it was 9-11. Before the government had the Patriot Act and the Department of Homeland Security and all of that. I'd like for it to go back to being where we didn't worry about terror 24-7. But we do now. Meanwhile, we have terrorists in our own country that are from our own country shooting people with guns from our own country, and we don't do anything about that. One person gets on a plane with bombs in his shoes, explosives in his shoes, we all take off our shoes. Multiple people every day shoot each other here in this country. We don't do anything. All right. When we come back, I talked about Palestinians wanting Israel to be their neighbor. I want to talk to you about what that word really truly means when we return on this Wednesday Corel cast. Don't go anywhere. We're in the top 200 again, by the way. Hello, Canada, Ireland. Hi, Europe. Hi, United States. Hi, Australia. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's broadcasting from a completely different point of view. Yours. Listen daily to the Corel cast on your favorite streaming service. You're listening to the Corel Cast, driving you home or driving you crazy. Happy Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this on. I am Corel. It is the Corel cast. Thanks to my patrons at Patreon. I love and adore you. Let's do a holiday call, shall we? Let's pick a day. I'll pick a day this week uh, and we'll do a holiday call either not this coming Sunday, but maybe the Sunday after. Let's do a holiday call with each other, patrons. Yeah, like December 10th, Sunday, December 10th. Let's do a holiday call Sunday, December 10th. Okay. So patrons, look out for that Zoom link for Sunday, December 10th, a holiday call with Carell. And if you are a patron, please email me your mailing address. Please, please do so. And my email, of course, is comments at reallycorell.com. All right. So I talked about young Palestinians could grow up and view Israel as just their neighbor, you know, and not their adversary if we let them. If Israel lets them, if the world lets them, if the United States lets them. And I've thought a lot about neighbor because I have a neighbor across the way. His name is Drew. Well, and I have, of course, Bridget and I have Irma. Uh, and Drew uh, is 77, 78 years old, but very active, very healthy, works, the whole thing. 
Well, over Thanksgiving, Drew called me to say he was in the hospital and that he had a pacemaker put in. And it made me very grateful over Thanksgiving that I wasn't in the hospital having a pacemaker put in. Uh, and prior to that, a few weeks prior to that, he had called and asked if I could pick him up at the hospital. He's been having trouble. And I said, sure, of course. And so I brought him home that day. And now this day, the last couple of days, I've been helping him here at the house because of his pacemaker. Uh, he can't move his arm for 14 days, his left arm. It's strapped to his body and he can't move it for 14 days. So I've gotten him breakfast and uh, I've helped him get dressed, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, just whatever he needs. And throughout his time here, like when he needed a repair person, I gave him my repair person for his refrigerator. And, you know, and oh, and I had to go in his house with his keys and call the paramedics when all of this heart stuff first started. And so I let the paramedics in and I triaged him and told them his blood pressure and his pulse ox and all that, gave him the medical history, had his drugs out all on the bar so they could see, you know. And he he keeps asking, like, what can I do for you? What can and I'm like, well, just get better. That's what you can do. And he goes, but you do so much for me. And I said, look, I don't do any more for you than I would wouldn't do for any other neighbor. Because to me, neighbor means friend. Now, the truth is neighbor means near dweller. That's what it means. That's the literal meaning of it. If you go all the way back to its original meaning, it means near dweller, someone that dwells near you. But it has come to mean so much more. And I really believe that we need to readjust our thinking of the word neighbor. Neighbor should be synonymous with the word friend friend. You shouldn't live around anyone you don't like. You shouldn't share a wall or a border or whatever with anyone you don't like. You should very much try to love thy neighbor. Now, I'm not Christian, but it seems to me that's a pretty good piece of advice from any Bible or from any book. Love thy neighbor as you would love thyself. Now, look, sometimes it's impossible, okay? We all had the crazy fucking neighbor. I've had some crazy neighbors in my lifetime. Child, we had a neighbor who was so fucking insane. She didn't like the birds that were living on our garage, and she lived above the garage or above our garage. She put um, tacky paper on the roof, got up on the roof to try to catch the birds. Well, it worked. And I saw this, and Andrew saw this, and we were horrified. We call animal control. Her ass got busted because the birds that she stuck to the paper were endangered birds. So she went to jail, and I was happy about that. We've all had the crazy neighbor. Andrew and I once had neighbors, or Ken and I actually, had a neighbor that came out and said, why don't you guys move to West Hollywood or San Francisco? There are cities for people like you. I, I thought she meant fabulous people, but she meant gay people, which is the same thing. So we've all had the horrifying neighbor where you try and you try and you try, but you just, you can't be their friend. They don't want a friend, you know, so I, I'm not saying you can be friends with every neighbor. I'm saying though, you should try and that we need to look at neighbors as our friends. They're not adversaries. They're not people bringing the neighborhood down. They're your friends first and foremost. I try to treat every, I've had Let's see, two people have lived in that apartment in the last six years across from me, the condo. So I've had two sets of neighbors. And there's been three tenants down below me. 
And I've known every one of them and tried to be kind and nice and polite and like be there for them. Like no request is too big so long as I can do it. Why? Because you're my neighbor. That's why. Because I live next to you, because I share this space with you, and I want everything to be well in your home as well as in my home. And I would hope that if I'm having trouble or Ember's having trouble or there's something going on, that you would come and help me. Do you think of your neighbor, I mean, I, if this were call-in radio, I could do a topic for an hour about horrible neighbors we've had. We always remember those, but how many of you remember your good, you know, back, I love watching these movies from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s where the neighborhood was a family, you know, next door, two doors down, across the street, y'all were family. And yes, there was the black sheep of the family. You know, I'm watching For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus, which I love. And when it started in the 60s, that's how it was. Everybody was a family. You're over at their house for potluck on Thursdays. You're over playing whatever at their house on Fridays. Barbecue on Sunday at Bob's house. That's a neighborhood. That's a community. That's a group of people that cares for each other. And that's what we should all strive for. We're so disconnected nowadays. People live next to each other for decades and don't know their names. Don't know their family histories. Don't know anything about the neighbor. If the cops were to knock on their door and say, can you tell us about your neighbor? Nope. How can, why live that way? Share your space and share your life. Share your love. Share your friendship, your kindness. Reserve the best for your neighbor. Help your neighbor when they need it. I've loaned neighbors money. I've, you know what I've done for the neighbors downstairs. That's, ugh. they tried my patience. They did. But you know what? I did it. I'll take Bridget places all the time and Bridget will dog sit for Ember. She doesn't even charge me. I'll try to pay her and she won't take any money. She'll come over and spend two, three hours here with Ember so she's not alone. You know, Bridget's very kind to me. She, she all the time, whenever, even short notice, she'll pop over and just keep Ember company while I'm away. Granted, Ember just ignores her, cries, stays on the back of the sofa. But neighbor should mean friend. And that goes for Israel and Gaza and the West Bank. It goes for the United States and Mexico and Canada. We should look at immigrants coming to our borders as friends. There are neighbors from other countries that have it bad and they have it so bad they've had to leave their house and come over to our house and say, help, help, help. And we can't be turning them away and slamming the door in their face and treating them like interlopers and prisoners. They're our neighbors. They share planet Earth with us. Maybe they're a continent away. Maybe they're a state or two away. But they're still our neighbor. They're just a neighbor from down the street. You know, people from Guatemala, they're just neighbors from, from the south. But they share a continent with us. You know? Well, not Guatemala, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they share a planet with us, right, Miss M? Treat everybody like a friend, like a neighbor. And we would be so much better off. The word should mean friend. And, I, you know, if you don't know your neighbor, I want you to try to get to know them. And granted, like I said, not every neighbor wants to be known, but try to get to know them. You know, know and know about them. 
like my neighbors all have my keys. I gave away six set of keys to my neighbors. And I said, if there's ever a problem and I'm not home or if I'm home and someone needs to get in, you have my keys. I have my neighbor's keys. I have Bridget keys. I have Drew keys. I have Irma keys. Neighbor should mean friend, whether it's a country or a person next door. And there's not much you wouldn't do for a friend, which means there shouldn't be much that you wouldn't do for your neighbor. We need to start thinking of immigrants as our neighbors as well. And gays, women, blacks, Mexicans, they're all our neighbors. If you're not visiting reallycorel.com daily, you're missing out. Get the podcast videos and the blog, including recipes at reallycorel.com. That's really K-A-R-E-L.com. It's broadcasting from a completely different point of view. Yours. Listen daily to the Corelcast on your favorite streaming service. You're listening to the Corelcast. Driving you home or driving you crazy. All right, y'all. Should we just rename everything and anything that's been named for more than 20 years? If it hasn't been named in the last 20 years, should we just rename it? You know, yesterday, Tuesday, I went down to Tarantino's Italian vegan restaurant here in Las Vegas. I can't recommend it enough. Authentic Italian food, all vegan and all delicious. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. The sampler platter was half price, so I got it. Oh, my God. I Oh. The crab tasted like crab, but it was delicious. It went, and hearts of palm can go bad. In other words, people use them and they taste like vinegar. These did not. Oh, they were delicious. The meatballs were delicious, even though there were no meatballs. Uh, just the zucchini sticks were perfect. It was lovely. The minestrone soup was lovely. The eggplant parmesan sandwich I had was lovely. And the Napoleon dessert. Now, I split all of that in half and took half home. Uh, and I still have some of it left. So it's not like I ate all that at one sitting. But it was really great. And the server, who was a good sport, <laughs> he goes, well, here, let me start with the tops. And I said, well, everyone loves a top. Uh, you know, and he was, <laughs> he said, well, that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'd wear it. Uh, you know, he was really great fun. And we started talking about music. And somehow Morrissey came up. And I said, well, you know, he's a big racist. And me and Boy George got into a little fight about this about how can you still be listening and emulating and loving Morrissey when he is voting for white nationalist, is anti-immigrant, and anti-Muslim. Now, if you don't know more who Morrissey is, he's a member of the Smiths. Uh, how Soon Is Now is a very popular song of theirs. Every Day is Like Sunday, uh, Big Mouth, November Spawned a Monster, so many songs. I know them all because Andrew loved him. Andrew would not love him right now. But the waiter then was crestfallen. And he goes, well, I love Morrissey, but if that's true about him, and I said, I know, it's rough, right? When an artist that you like, a singer, an actor, whatever, and you find out they're bat crap crazy, or they hold a point of view uh, that is horrifying, or they've committed some sort of crime, rape, murder, wife abuse, spousal abuse, whatever, then how do you, you know, how do you justify liking 
their body of work. For instance, I love Michael Jackson. I don't believe he raped the children. I do not. He was too rich to do that. He could have gone to any country like Thailand or wherever and had a bevy of underage people, but he didn't. You know, and he was weird and wacky, and the situation was not something I would have let my kids be in, but I do not believe he was having full-on anal sex with these kids. Uh, so, you know, but there are people that do. R. Kelly. He is a known rapist. I knew about it for years before he was prosecuted. Everybody did. But he is an abuser. Now, Sean Puffy Combs, P. Diddy, he has just stepped down from the head of his corporation because of all of these sexual allegations now coming out against him. Do you throw away all your music and clothing that belong to be anything to do with, you know, Sean Combs? And so in San Francisco, there is a park with a lake in it, Stowe Lake. Uh, and the Stowe Lake Boathouse, and they want to rename it now because Mr. Stowe was a big anti-Semite. And so now they're like, let's rename it. We don't need a park named after a big anti-Semite. And as you know, they've taken down many Confederate monuments in the South, and we, we are now having this broader question of, do we glorify or emulate people who were on the wrong side of some very key issues. Now, look, everyone used to, everyone was like, oh, George W. Bush, he's a painter now. I don't care what the hell he paints. He's a war criminal, and I'm never going to buy one of his paintings. But should his paintings be out there? And so if we go back and go through every museum everywhere and look at every great piece of art or every great building, and we dive into the lives of the architect, of the painter, of the singer, of the actor, of the director, ultimately we're going to find more that we don't like than what we do. Hemingway was a vapid alcoholic and probably hit a woman or two in his lifetime. Any male pre-1960 was probably either racist, misogynist, or both. Do we just discount like some of the greatest stars of the 30s and 40s and 50s? They were Many of them were anti-Semitic. Many of them, when there was the Blacklist McCarthy thing going on, they copped up. You know, do, how, what do we do? How do we do this now? Because to me, it's almost getting like, I don't care. Now, I don't want to financially support someone that I disagree with. I don't. But I've almost given that up because I don't agree with what all the major corporations are doing food-wise. I don't agree with how they're charging so much money and they're hurting families. I don't want to support the food companies, but I have to buy food. So what do I do there? And I know that we do all these boycotts and stuff, like maybe much like the right does. They were boycotting Target or gay nutcrackers, or whatever. You know, come on. They're, they're boy, they boycott at the drop of a hat. But where does that end? And when it comes to art or to lakes that have been named this lake for almost 100 years, and now we're going to change it because, oh, yeah, he was an anti-Semite. Look, I'm standing in Clark County, okay? Las Vegas, the city of Las Vegas is very small. The rest of Las Vegas, including the Strip, is in Clark County. 
I'm technically in Spring Valley, Nevada. Paradise, Nevada is the strip. Okay, the, the city of Las Vegas is small. Clark County is named after a really bad guy. He was an alcoholic. He burned down someone's village. He, I mean, this guy was not nice. Should we rename Clark County? You know, John Wayne, the John Wayne Airport in, in Orange County. I've heard many a bad thing about John Wayne. Conservative, you know, uh, what misogynist. On and on. And yeah, I bet there were a lot of anti-Semites back in the day. Hollywood actors and the like. So where, and I'd like to hear from you, where do we draw this line now? Stowe Park in San Francisco, Stowe Boathouse, being renamed. Sean Combs stepping down because of sexual allegations. Roman Polanski, some people will not see any of his movies because he had sex with a 15-year-old, I think she was, whose mother dropped her off to be there with him. Jerry Lee Lewis married a 14-year-old. Elvis Presley married a almost pedophile. Certainly child molest. And yet. So where do you, where is your cutoff? I am Carell. Be who you want to be. So don't hurt anybody. I'd love to hear from you. Where is your cutoff? Do you take all that into consideration? I'd like hey, to know. it's Carell. Amber and I would like to thank you for joining us today and remind you there's a way to never miss a thing. And that's by subscribing right now to my YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button below or go to youtube.com forward slash really Carell. That's youtube.com forward slash really Carell for a world of great free content. And that content is kept free by the fabulous group of patrons of Patreon. Why not become one and show your support for the show? Just $5 a month or more and you're in. Go to patreon.com forward slash really Carell. That's patreon.com forward slash really Carell. My website is reallycorel.com and everything fabulous is there from the show to blog and recipes. Instagram and all social media are, you guessed it, Really Corel. And it couldn't get much easier by simply downloading the free Corelcast app at the app store of your choice. And then all the content from Corel Media will flow right on through. That's the free Corelcast app. Remember, I am Corel. Be who you want to be so I don't hurt anybody. And subscribe and participate today.